0: Catch the fire, fire, catch the fire.
1: Welcome to Catch the Fire. I'm Lisa Flood, along with Susie McKenzie, and it is great to be with all of you today. How are you doing today, Susie? Oh, Lisa, I'm awesome. I can't wait for us to get going today. It's going to be great. All right. What has the Holy Spirit done in your life in this past week that you want to share?
2: Well, you know, Lisa, um, I do think you have a more direct pipeline to the Holy Spirit.
1: (laughs) I don't know about that. I think you do. But
2: I will say this. Um, We both are lovers of adoration and Eucharistic adoration in the chapel. And something very recently like, young Yesterday happened and I went to the chapel and I really needed um, a dose of something <laughs> if it's the Holy Spirit it was I pray all things through our, our Lady our Blessed Mother um, and I can tell you that something happened where I caught the fire in a way that I needed at the time, and it doesn't always happen this way. I had that... You know how people talk about, I prayed, and I immediately felt that washing of peace. Yes, And it was like, bam, instantaneous. That happened to me, because I really was crying out to God for something very specific. And and I wasn't in the best place. I was very in a very sorrowful moment for me. And um, I will tell you that in adoration, I had... I will say the Holy Spirit just filled me with peace. It was it was the it was the dove instead of the fire, you know? And it was the dove that brought peace and comfort. And it doesn't always happen that way. I mean, sometimes you ask for it and people talk about that instantaneous peace, and you're like, Well, I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Not feeling it. Right. But I got it yesterday. So I really believe that's a way to catch the fire as well as when we catch the peace.
1: Ooh. We're going to have to, I'm going to have to pray with that, catching the piece. I think I might need to be more specific in my <laughs> prayers sometimes. Okay, Susie, I um, I have a great story to share. So um, yesterday was the 50th anniversary of my um, father-in-law's death. And so my husband was a little boy when his father passed away um, during open heart surgery. And it was just from my heart, just really, I woke up praying for him, praying for my father-in-law, whom I've never met, praying for My husband, and I just said this little quick prayer. I'm like, God, could you just please do something that lets him feel so loved by you today? Let him just know that you've got your eyes on him and just let him feel loved. So the morning starts to unfold, and we have our plans for Mass, and we're going to our parish. And then at the last minute, we reroute and we're going an hour earlier to a parish we don't normally attend. And I'm like, OK, OK, that's what we're going to do. So, And I had a sense that mass was going to be, of course, important on the anniversary of a loved one's death. So, so I said, OK, we'll go with it. So we go in, and I'm thinking, OK, my husband's leading. I'm thinking, OK, we're going to sit here. No. Then I'm thinking, we're going to sit here. No, he's going further to the front. Then I'm thinking the third time, yep, he sits down. Well, when he sits down, I realize we're sitting behind um, a young man that he knew and, and mentored many years earlier. And we hadn't seen them in a number of years. At the end of mass, of course, we exchanged a sign of peace and gave hugs. But at the end of mass, this guy turned to my husband and grabbed his hand to shake it and looked him in the eye and said, I am so glad that I finally get to tell you how you've impacted my life. And when he went on in front of his wife and children and in front of one of our sons to just recount the ways that my husband had impacted his life beyond mentoring him in his profession, I was moved to tears because all I said was, could you just do something to let him feel loved? And God orchestrated where we would go to mass, where we would sit and would move these two men to have this beautiful connection. And it was a gift. Well, it was, and it
2: was all God because you don't usually go to mass there. It was no. a different time than you planned to go. And, you know, it was like um, musical chairs trying to figure out where you were going to sit, right? But and I'm so- getting frustrated.
1: Okay, we need to sit. We need to sit. <laughs> but there, there is my lesson yet again. that When I let God be in charge... Big stuff happens. And it's way better than I could ever orchestrate. Well, and you, you couldn't have orchestrated that. No. I mean, I, that is an absolutely beautiful
2: story. I mean, if that doesn't cause you to spread the fire, I don't know what does. <laughs> okay, Susie,
1: we talk about spreading the fire, catching the fire, feeling the fire. Sometimes we don't feel the fire and we don't even see the fire at all. And I'm talking about those times in our lives when we are begging for something really important and we don't see the answer. We don't see what we perceive, what we certainly expect would be God's answer, right? Well, right. And we think what you're praying for is something
2: that is in accordance with church teaching. It seems to be what would be right in God's eyes, right? And yet the answer doesn't come. And you know, I'm a big novena person and you Decide, okay, I'm going to do this, you know, 26 novenas for this intention and offer masses. You and I talked about this. You've offered masses for things. And yet the answer still doesn't come. So Lisa, do you think the answer's there? It's just in God's cyberspace? I mean,
1: you know, I and think, we're not seeing it? I think we have to trust that God is always doing something. And we have to trust that he sees things that we can't see. That we don't see. And the big trust has to be so big. And and let's be real, especially if we're talking about conversions or deep healings that need to happen that we know are very important for salvation. We have to just trust that we might not see it, but we have to trust that it's going to happen. It might be a deathbed conversion. It might be that last moment of needing to respond to mercy, especially as, as I've talked to parents who are terrified for the choices their children are making in very serious situations. You know, as I look at them and pray with them, I'm, I just know Our Lady's not going to let them down, but they might not see the answer to their prayers in the way they want to see it on this earth, but we have to trust that our prayers for them are powerful.
2: Yeah, trust, as my friend always said, trust is when you have skin in the game. And that's when it's not just hypothetical, touchy feely, I have faith and you know, I've got joy, 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 joy. It's not that. Sometimes we don't. It's it's that skin in the game. It's the child that you're praying for, it's the friend that you're praying for, the spouse. And that's when we are personally invested in it. And no, you uh it's the idea. Now Lisa, you know, we 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 prepare for these things and we allow the Holy Spirit hopefully to guide us, but Lisa, you wrote that we can't control things or others, and we have to battle against despair. And so that's where I think the rubber meets the road here is how do we go from despair to hope?
1: You know, and, and that's a real thing. Despair is never from God, right? We are always meant to be a people of hope, but what is the hope we're looking for? It's the supernatural virtue of hope, right? Right. And if we're not seeing what we want to see in the way we need to see, it doesn't mean we should stop praying. It doesn't mean we're not being heard. It means we have to trust that God is doing something that we can't see. And His ways are not our ways. And you know, I had someone tell
2: me just two days ago, she said, you know what? You have to also accept that you won't
1: necessarily understand it. And we're not in control. No. All right. With that, we're going to take a quick break. I'm Lisa Flood, along with Susie McKenzie. Stick with us on Catch the Fire. I worked in pro baseball for a long time and we play on Sundays and it was an easy excuse. Uh, I took the easy out and just didn't go to Mass.
2: Uh, when I was in college, I ended up having a lot of questions about my faith and I ended up leaving the church. I
1: might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going.
2: Went through a divorce. and. Um ended up being a single parent. If I didn't have church or God, I, I, I would be back at that lonely stage, that trouble stage. Whenever you get anxious and worry about things, you just know that Jesus has it under control. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person, I love it. And it's a place where I feel accepted for who I am. When you come home to the, to the church, you're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you.
0: I have a peace when I walk through the doors of the Catholic Church, like that's where I belong. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today.
1: Welcome back to Catch the Fire. I'm Lisa Flood along with Susie McKenzie. And we are joined today by my dear friend in North Carolina, Pat Highland. Pat, welcome to Catch the Fire. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. Okay, true story, Pat. Um, yeah? I didn't even ask you if I could share this, but it's, it's <laughs> got to be all good. I love what we're going to talk about today, this amazing cynical of praying for priests that that you're involved in. And it's it's, it's different from other, other ways of praying for priests, and we'll get into that. But what I really wanted to share was you touched my heart so deeply because you and I were at a dinner party and, um, with friends. And all of a sudden you looked at your watch and you said, you kind of whispered, you said, I just have to excuse myself for a little over an hour and I'll be back. And somebody looked at you and said, you're leaving. And you said, well, yes, it's time for my holy hour for the priest that I pray for. And you literally left a party to go pray for your priest. And that touched my heart deeply. So you're involved with, (laughs) yes, you're involved with a special cynical. Tell us what it's called.
0: Uh, It's called the Seven Sisters Apostolate. And hello, can you hear me?
1: I can hear you. So what do you do to pray for priests?
0: So it's one holy hour a day covered by one person. You don't do the whole week. You just pick a day that you want to pray for your pray that holy hour. It doesn't have to be at a particular time It just has to be on that day, and it doesn't have to be at a particular place. Um, They do recommend that you do it in adoration, but again, it doesn't have to be uh, before the Blessed Sacrament. And I've discovered something wonderful. I've I've been putting on um, the Blessed Sacrament live streaming into my home when I can't get to the Adoration Chapel. Wow. Um, Yes, I love it. It's big as Dallas in my home, and um, (laughs) in fact, I started, I don't know if this is okay, but I leave it on all night, and I just kind of close the doors in front of the TV as much as I can, and um, yeah, it's been a great blessing to have that when you're not close to an Adoration Chapel, but you can offer up, you know, however it is, it's just that that one hour is specifically for that priest. They ask you not to pray for other intentions. Um, And they also uh, understand that we're distracted during prayer and that, you know, you just bring it back in. It's like any other time that you pray.
2: Pat, I'm really curious to know the Seven Sisters part. Please give us how that came to be.
0: Uh, I think it was in the summer of 2010 that Janet Howe, H O W E, she began to feel this sense to pray for her priest, her pastor. She was very Mm -hmm. thankful for his leadership in the parish. And this was in St. Paul, Minneapolis. St. Paul, Minneapolis, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so she went to him. Well, she was nudged while walking one day um, to do that. And then when she was in prayer one day, she heard the words in her heart, seven sisters. And she wasn't here, Um, I mean, she wasn't um, clear on this, and then she heard it again. And um, so she began, she went to her pastor, and he thought that, he loved the idea, and he thought that they should start with seven churches in that area, so it would be a total of 49 women all together, and uh, you pray for the pastor first. Get him covered, and so they began, and that's how it started. Now it's spread all over um, into Europe and Philippines and beyond the United States. So I think there are over a thousand groups now.
1: Wow, this is—I'm thinking of <laughs> of so many priests that that I'm just close to, personal friends with, and. I can't imagine a better gift than gathering a group of prayer warriors to cover him. And, and I'm curious to know, Pat, it doesn't sound like this is the same thing as spiritual motherhood for priests. Is this something different?
0: It is different. Um, we are a spiritual sister, a disciple, mm-hmm. a fellow disciple, just like the priest is. And it's not um, it's not the same as motherhood, although I do use that uh, that book that Kathleen Beckman wrote, I use it a lot to pray for my pastor during my holy hour because I just insert his name. She's got all kinds of different prayers in there. So I recommend the book, but it is is different. And it's women, it's a sisterhood to undergird our brothers in Christ to strengthen the
2: church. Well, and you answered Lisa's question about spiritual motherhood for the priest, That's spiritual sisterhood for the priest, which is, a, I don't know, I think there's a, there's a role for that. I think we have a need for that where it's you're going not even maybe knowing his personal intentions but just praying for him as a priest and the duties he's called to do in the way that a sister would in that caring kind of co-equal sort of way. What do you think
0: Absolutely. about that? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, there's just no end <laughs> to the graces, I guess, that God, the Holy Spirit, is pouring out right now upon His beloved priests. You you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that we are really um, in deep trouble <laughs> in our priesthood, and uh, they need undergirding. They, you know, we just do. And especially for these younger men coming up, they face so many issues
1: How have you found um your ministry of praying for your priest um, impacting your prayer life has i mean has this it's got to have impacted your prayer life in some way
0: uh well, when, when we first started, we've been doing this for about a year, and as soon as it was brought to me, a, another friend um, asked me to be, I didn't uh, say this earlier, but you get one person to be the anchorist in the group or the leader, and she's kind of the go-to person. It's not a difficult thing to do at all, but uh, when this was brought before me, and she asked me to head up the group for our associate pastor, I just thought, this is the answer (laughs) to the the problems that we're facing. It may take time to see the fruit of this prayer, but um, it impacted me in that we are so used to praying for our needs, our personal needs, our family, our friends, you know, and and to pray for one person for one solid hour, I, I had never done that before, so, so it impacted me in that way. Um, I think they say on the website that it's a holy wasting um, upon the upon Christ. It's that uh, it was it Mary Magdalene, who was at His feet, just wasting her tears it, that's what it's considered a holy wasting upon Christ and his priest who stand um, in his place
2: now Pat is I'm I'm just like fascinated by all of this and I I'm gonna get real for a second okay very real and you okay. you alluded to this just now I mean you said it you said you know we're so accustomed to praying for our own needs and to go and to pray for someone else one person to give that whole hour um, I'm wondering, I, I would imagine the Holy Spirit calls certain women to this ministry, but is it announced ever in the church? Do you ever get someone questioning you saying, I have a hard enough time getting to the chapel for the one hour that I'm already assigned? How, I mean, I'm just being real life here. Do you ever have someone question, how do I do this? How do I give an, uh, another whole hour to one person?
0: Yes. When we were uh, trying to get the seven women together, of course, you reach out to your friends. And um, one person said that. And, and, and I said, listen, if you give your time to Jesus for this priest, he's going to take care of you. That's it. That's what I answer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's that's it. I mean, it's, that's, it. It, that's that's I really mean, all that, that needs to be
0: said. That's it, in my opinion. You know, give yourself away and He'll give himself to you. It's a cyclical thing, you know, with the Lord.
1: Well said. And we can never outdo Jesus in generosity, can we? Absolutely not. Okay, so do you have any stories of um, response from your priest or from other— it doesn't even have to be your priest, but from this ministry, from the response of the priests, I would imagine they are very humbled by the fact that that people are gathering to give holy hours for them. That's got kind of to really touch their hearts.
0: Uh, yes, I think it really does. What this group does not want to happen, it's not a click. It's, not, um, it's a hidden ministry. It's not hidden in that we don't, you know, proclaim that we're doing this and that we know that it benefits the priests. But it's hidden because the people, they just go... And do their prayer work, like they're, you know, what they're called to do. You know what? All of a sudden, I just forgot the question. What'd you ask me?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to know the response of the priests. Like, they've got to be so grateful.
0: Oh, okay. So, when I first told our associate pastor, I I handed him the information. They have beautiful brochures and all the help you need if you want to start a group. And it's, really, it's the simplest thing I've ever been involved in. And he was very grateful. I have not personally, I plan to, I haven't personally met with him. The goal is not for them to even know necessarily who it is that's praying for them, because it's not supposed to foster, um, oh, what's the word, you know, like, oh, she's praying to me, I have to be nice. She's praying to me, I have to be nice to her. Or, you know, like a a church lady group that would um, gain power. It truly is um, really just a pouring out upon that priest. And he doesn't necessarily know who the people are who are praying. I think that he is supposed to know who the um, head of the group is, but that's it. And then if he wants to, um, you know, say, I'm struggling with something, or uh, can you please pray for this, he's free to do that.
2: Pat, how could someone bring the Seven Sisters Apostolate to their parish?
0: I would say the easiest thing to do is to go on the website. Uh, It's a very easy website uh, to maneuver check it out and if you talk to your friends and go talk to the pastor and see if this is something he we didn't even ask our pastor we just we did it and then said this is what we're doing for you i don't know of anyone who would be opposed to having someone pray for them yeah, every day no of the week oh gosh. <laughs> if they're a priest and they're opposed Come see me. <laughs> you know. Yeah, we have to
1: talk. Gosh, Pat, as you're as you're talking, you know, my heart is a heart for prayer, and I'm thinking, how amazing would it be for some for some priests, earthly moms, to get together and really gather their friends to cover their sons in prayer? This is even beyond parish life. I mean, I have I have so many friends whose mothers I love, who their sons are priests in in other towns. I could imagine them saying to seven friends would you please join with me to cover my son and I think they would
0: absolutely we ha- had a we, we tried to get all the different priests in this area covered and this is kind of a, um, a sad story but it's also beautiful too. Um, this pastor just recently died and we didn't have a seven sisters covered he committed suicide. And I approached the seven sister apostolate to see if we could start a group post mortem, and they they said that the chaplain really welcomed that and wanted that to happen. So we've already begun our our. Uh, he died at the end of January. I mean um, December, and our group uh, began in February for him. Uh, we feel so strongly just to keep him covered.
2: For a year. That he is absolutely beautiful. Tears. We're like in tears because, <laughs> you know, the fact of how he passed shows how much our priests need our prayers.
0: Absolutely. I you know.
2: And, absolutely. and to do this for him post mortem, that is absolutely beautiful.
1: Pat, what is the role of, um, of Our Lady? Is she like first and foremost in this ministry, or is it just up to everyone to pray however God moves them?
0: No, she is first and foremost. I I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> she, the, you should always go into your holy hour asking the Holy Spirit to lead you and to draw the priest closer to the devotion of the Blessed Mother, a deepening devotion. And uh, if he doesn't have one at all, well, I don't know, a lot of these up-and-coming priests have a deep devotion to the Blessed Mother. But for her protection as well, the mantle of her protection. So, yes, she's. it's a Eucharistic. The centrality of the Eucharist is important. And the um, I would say the centrality of the Blessed Mother in the life of the priest for his protection.
1: I mean, I dare say this should be in every archdiocese. This should spread like wildfire. It's It's so easy to complain. We need to stop complaining. We need to... And pray <laughs> praying.
0: <laughs> right? Well, yeah. maybe yeah. some of, maybe some of us pray and complain.
1: <laughs> okay. Pat. Pat, thank you yes. so much for joining us. Before I let you go, will you say the website one more time for um, for the cynical?
0: It's seven All
1: right. Come join us. Pat Highland, thank you so much for sharing about this beautiful ministry. You'll have well, to have you, you visit us again and tell us more fruit of this prayer.
0: I will. Thank you, Susie. And thank you, Lisa.
2: Lisa, I just love this. This is absolutely
1: stunning. I know. I just, um, I just think it is so necessary and, and I'm, I'm really not exaggerating. Everybody's drinking wine at this party and she's drinking her water. And then all of a sudden she slips out because she had her holy hour for her priest and that just was beautiful to me
2: that she was carrying
1: this man in her heart.
2: Yep. And total commitment. It was, you know, I'm going to do this. It's like she said, it's a hidden ministry, which is beautiful. So it's not like talked about, you're not running around talking about it. Hey! I prayed for you today, you know, from the parking lot. It's just, it's just commitment
1: done quietly. It's absolutely beautiful. Susie, we need this in our parish and come on, New Orleans, (laughs) Baton Rouge, let's get some cynicals going for our beloved priests. You know, our
2: priests are coming from all different places nowadays. They're they're not all just, you know, straight out of, they're not all 25 years old. You know, that's right. They've got life stories and that they bring into the priesthood. We got to pray. We got to pray.
1: Yes, we do. Okay, Susie, have you had a spark, something fun that, you know, being yes. fully alive Catholic? Yes, yes, Lisa. Um,
2: okay, Scott and I have rediscovered, okay, we're Catholics, we drink, okay? So, a drink, and um, it's this wonderful little place, and it is in Mandeville, it's in Old Mandeville, it's called the Grapeful Ape, G-R-A-P is in Paul, E-F is in Frank, U-L-Ape, A-P-E. Holy cow, it is an awesome little neighborhood. I don't even want to call it a bar. It's so much more than that. Um, And the bartender there, Paul, who used to be at Oxlot 9 at Southern Mm -hmm. Hotel, we became friends with him, sort of, kind of. He makes the best old fashioned you've ever put in your mouth. And I never drank an old fashioned until two weeks ago. (laughs) And now I'm I don't know if I'm sad to say or sorry to say, but it's become a bit of a routine. (laughs) (laughs) Having a little fun (laughs) to go get one of Paul's um, old fashions, all things in moderation. And we're still good. (laughs) And they're good. I'm telling you. So rediscover the old fashioned.
1: Okay, Susie, my spark was my happy place, which some people are beach people, some people are mountain people. I love the beach, but I really love the mountains. I was out of town last weekend and um, visiting my son who's in college in North Carolina and got to go on a hike with his friends. And it was so much fun. First of all, the fact that I'm with my son who's a senior in college and his friends on a hike is kind of crazy. And that was such a gift, but just being just being in the mountains just it just feeds my soul I don't know what else to say it just does so a hike in the mountains you have to work a little bit hard we flatlanders around here we might have to travel a little bit but it was worth it
2: oh I totally believe that Lisa I'm a big mountain girl too so
1: much fun so much fun being with you Susie and all of our listeners let's all go out there and catch feel and spread the fire Catch the Fire is a production of Catholic Community Radio.